Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And good afternoon and welcome to this edition of News in Focus. We're glad that you've joined us during this Holy Week. And as we celebrate uh, the Lord's resurrection on Sunday, but before we get to Sunday, of course, we think about the sacrifice that was made for us as Christians as Christ gave up himself on the cross. In fact, the cross is the Christian symbol of a repulsive instrument of death reserved only for the worst criminals in in the ancient world, now the symbol of Christian faith. We've stained glassed it, we've embroidered it, we've molded it and galvanized it, carved it, and made jewelry out of it, but do we really grasp the depth of its meaning? Jesus said to his followers, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up the cross daily and follow me. In fact, he said, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantage if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he shall come in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. This from Luke's Gospel, chapter 9, verses 22 through 26. Jesus told his disciples that if they were to follow him, that they were to bear their crosses. He also forewarned them that he would be offered up, he would be arrested, that he would be condemned in the hands of men, and he would be crucified. Of course, Peter rebuked him, and uh, then Jesus said, you're not speaking for God, but you're speaking from the devil. Satan is speaking through you. And this was a little confusing to Peter, because just prior to that, he gave the great testimony when Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? And some said that some say that you're Elijah the prophet or John the Baptist, but who do you say that I am? And Peter stood forward and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And yet not long after, when Jesus began to tell his disciples that he would be condemned and taken uh, by Pilate and the Sanhedrin would take him up and he would be crucified for the sins of men, Peter then began to rebuke him, because in the natural man, in our minds, what good can come out of crucifixion? We're going to take this time in this program to talk about the crucifixion, to talk about the cross in the Christian life, and we're going to run through the scriptures together. And with us on the phone is OCA board member and uh, Pastor Al Davis of Richfield Bible Baptist Church. You know him as live with Pastor Al, also on this station. Pastor, welcome to the program. Well, thank you, Chris. It's good to be with you, especially as we think of this week, which, you know, really, for most Christians, we would consider this the holiest week on the calendar because of exactly what you're talking about, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. So it's good to be able to be with you today, Chris. Thank you. Well, thank you, Pastor Al. And of course, this has been a tumultuous year for so many uh, in our country with the pandemic, with the shutdowns, with uh, the election, and really the upheaval in the cities across our country, much uh, upheaval in, in our world at this time. And so many people feeling uneasy, 
Uh, many people, it seems like peace has evaded them. But this is a time for us to focus in on the Lord Jesus Christ and to find our hope and confidence in him. He who bore the cross, despising the shame, and now is set down on the right hand of the throne of God and is yet ready to come back and to take his kingdom. In fact, he said to Pilate on that time in which he was being tried, um, Pilate said, are you a king? He says, I am. And that uh, he said, but my kingdom is not of this world, uh, because if my kingdom were of this world, he said at that time, then would my servants fight. But my kingdom is not of this world. So when we look at the world around us, it is a little confusing for Christians to understand when will God bring justice and judgment in the earth, because we see so much injustice right now, Pastor Al. You're right, Chris, and uh, even in the days in which Christ walked the earth, people looked at the injustice and the oppression of the Roman Empire, and remember Palm Sunday, which starts off what we call the Passion Week or the Holy Week, Palm Sunday, the triumphant entry of Christ into Jerusalem. And remember, the people welcomed him as the coming king, the son of David. They thought that the kingdom was going to be restored. They thought that all of the wrongs were going to be righted and the oppressors were going to be removed, and that he would take his throne and rule over the, the earth in a, in a just and righteous kingdom. But uh, he came there to present himself as the Messiah, but first other things had to take place. He had to suffer for our sins. He had to shed his blood to purchase our salvation on the cross, and they failed to understand that then. And I think the same thing happens today. People want him to come, they want him to be here, but they fail to understand that just like he came in the fullness of time the first time, he's going to come in the fullness of time the second time. And so we are awaiting that return of Christ, of course, uh, but in the meanwhile, we are still lifting him up as the Messiah, the one who suffered uh, to pay for our sin debt. That's right. When they came to arrest Jesus in the garden, and I had the privilege of being in Israel in uh, the, the garden there, uh, just outside the city walls of Jerusalem on the Mount of Olives, and uh, to to consider that when they came to arrest Jesus, uh, Peter put out his sword and cut off one of the servants' ears and flaying his sword at the the uh, those who would arrest Jesus. And Jesus rebuked Peter and said, Peter, put away your sword, because he was the Lamb of God, even as John the Baptist declared when he saw Christ coming to be baptized in the water to fulfill all righteousness. Not that he needed to be baptized, for John the Baptist said, I need to be baptized of you. But he said, John, let it be so. But when he saw Christ coming, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And so Jesus came as that Lamb, offering himself up. You know, it was Paul who said this of his ministry, And I, brethren, when I came to you, I came not with the excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in meekness and fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with the enticing uh, uh, of words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and the power. And that's for 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5. Again, Pastor Al, you know, Paul is saying that this is uh, the gospel. We, we preach unto you Christ and him crucified. Well, absolutely. In fact, there in, in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15, Paul described the gospel as the death, 
the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. And if you take away any one of those things, you don't have a gospel message, do you? That that's that's right. And you know, again, you know, Jesus was all man and he was all God. And so when we think about that Jesus was arrested and it was very real for the disciples who had spent three and a half years with him in earthly ministry to see him taken. They had seen him walk on water. They had seen him heal the lepers and heal the multitude and feed the multitude. They saw Christ do amazing things, and yet here he was being arrested and beaten and 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 scourged and, of course, crucified uh, on that Good Friday. But let's look at uh, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, where Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. This is the testimony of a Christian. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. It is important and imperative that Christians identify with the cross of Jesus Christ. You cannot have, as you said, Pastor Al, you can't have this gospel apart from any of those three, the death, burial, and resurrection, and the power of that resurrection. Your thoughts? Well, and I might add to that, too. It's not just any death that would do, because he said the death, burial, and resurrection according to the Scriptures. And so we had the Scriptures, Psalm 22, for instance, and other passages in the Old Testament Scriptures that foretold that Jesus would be lifted up. And even Jesus referred to that in John chapter 3, talking to Nicodemus, when he said, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And I I found it interesting, a few chapters later, in chapter 8, Jesus says, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then ye shall know that I am He. He he goes on to talk some other things, but I, I stop right there for the moment, because the way they would know that He was the Messiah, that's what he's talking about, that he is the Messiah, is because when he's lifted up and he dies this death, this horrible death of crucifixion, they would know that he's fulfilling the scriptures. And that's how you could know that he is the Messiah, because he died according to the scriptures. And of course, the Old Testament uh, foretells the death of Christ and uh, the crucifixion. Uh, even the form of death, even 600 years before, uh, you know, crucifixion was even an instrument of death in the ancient world. It was prophesied in the Old Testament of how Christ would die. And of course, in the garden, there were two trees, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And it is a tree that he hung on, even as the Bible says, even as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. He, he put the brazen serpent on the pole, on the wooden staff, and raised it up, and whosoever would look onto it would be healed of the plague. And, of course, brass, it was made of brass, and that's a symbol of judgment. Brass is a symbol of judgment in the Old Testament. And so that was a symbol of Jesus being lifted up. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men onto me. As Apostle Paul said in Galatians 6.14, But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. And he said also in Corinthians, I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
I die daily. That's so important for the Christian, isn't it, uh, Pastor Al, to die to ourselves and to live unto him? You're absolutely right. And you mentioned earlier in the beginning when you're talking about how we uh, turn the cross into a piece of jewelry and different things. And in a sense, I fear we've sanitized the cross. Uh, and people forget that when he said, I die daily, he was literally saying it was like he was being crucified with Christ each day, mm. each day. And when Jesus said that I'll be lifted up from the earth, he's saying this was a public death. This is not somewhere where he died off in a corner somewhere where nobody saw it. He was lifted up to be made a public spectacle. And then on the cross, he literally quoted the Old Testament scriptures when he said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That is a direct quote from Psalm 22, verse 1. And so even in the midst of his suffering, he knew that he was fulfilling scripture. It wasn't accidental. It was his whole point for being here, wasn't it? Absolutely. And a few years ago, there was friends of mine, and one friend in particular, who had a ministry of carrying the cross. Uh, of course, there was Arthur Blessed uh, during the 60s and 70s and 80s who carried the cross, uh, really, around the world, and he, he would testify for Christ. And, you know, you think, well, that's novel. That's that's great. Well, I encourage you folks, um, We, you know, I actually did carry the cross for a while with him, and there's something about that that the world despises the cross. They despise the, the testimony of Jesus and all that the cross represents because it represents dying to myself. And uh, I'll tell you, Pastor, how when I was carrying it down the street, you know, as a witness, boy, I t- that was difficult because you could feel the eyes on you, like, and the ridicule, you know, that obviously we were in a prayerful spirit and praying that it would be a witness unto others, but you could sense the ridicule. And that's just a little sample of what Jesus experienced with the ridicule of that day as they mocked him as king of the Jews, but that he was scourged on the post. And the movie that Mel Gibson had put together, and it's brutal. It's so difficult to watch, but it is probably the most accurate portrayal of the tale, the Cat of Nine Tales, which was an instrument of uh, whipping that the Romans used, not just a, a leather strap, but it had bits of metal that took chunks of skin out. And he was beaten on both sides. And remember, Christ was, there was no one advocating for him, that the Romans turned them him over and the Jews turned him over. No one advocated for him because... He was offered up for the sins of man. You know, Pastor Al, when I think of Abraham, the Bible says, and Abraham was the friend of God because he believed God. He had faith in God. And God showed him that uh, through the offering, then when God said, offer up your son, your only son, what was that? Well, he was trying to show his friend that I'm going to offer my son, not your son, Abraham, but my Mm -hmm. son for the sins of the world. And so God withheld his hand, and then there was a, a goat in the thicket. God provided for the sacrifice, and that that sacrifice was Christ, so that we don't have to die the death of eternal death, but Christ offered himself for us so that we might be redeemed. Pastor Al. 
Yeah, and Paul reflected that when he said in Galatians 3.13, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. And like you said earlier, uh, back when some of these Old Testament prophecies that Paul refers to and that Jesus referred to, uh, back when those testament or prophecies were written, crucifixion had not yet been invented yet. And yet, again, going back to Psalm 22, it says right here in, in Psalm 22, verse 16, Jesus, or speaking prophetically of the crucifixion, he says, For dogs have encompassed assemb- me, the assembly of the wicked hath enclosed me, they pierced my hands and my feet. And there it is, the nails that were hammered into his hands and feet. And that wasn't practiced back then. This is prophetic of the cross. And then, of course, you mentioned the cat of nine tails and the, the crown of thorns that was jammed down upon his brow and then the carrying of the rough cross on those stone-covered uh, streets as he stumbled and fell and scraped up the skin on his knees and shins and made a public curse for us all because, as he, he said, despising the shame, Paul wrote, despising the shame, because he knew what it entailed. This was what was necessary to redeem us, to purchase our salvation. Isaiah tells of Christ's offering in the 53rd chapter, and Pastor Al, if you'll help me to read it in these 12 verses of Isaiah 53. Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before the shears is done, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities." Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, 
because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors. He bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Amen and amen. And that is Isaiah 53 and prophesying of Jesus going to the cross for you and me. And so this is the great joy that we know that a sacrifice has been made for us. You cannot work your way to heaven. It's not by any works that you have done, but it's by the grace of Almighty God. It's by the grace of Jesus to you, my friend. And we pray that you would accept the great gift that he's given to you, a forgiveness. And you say, well, you have no idea what I've done in my life. God knows, and he forgives you. But you have to ask for that forgiveness. The blood that washes us clean is the blood of Christ that was shed on Calvary, that was shed for you and me. Whosoever will, the Bible says, whosoever will, if you will accept that free gift of God, then you also will be saved and you will be uh, one of the saints of God. And you say, well, how can that be? Because of all that Jesus has done. For us to deny that, Pastor Al, is to insult God and his great offering of what he's given in Christ. It is finished, Jesus said on the cross. You're absolutely right. And we don't need to re-sacrifice him. He sacrificed, the Bible says, once, one time, and it was sufficient. You remember the, the priests in the temple, they sacrificed the lambs daily, didn't they? Every day they sacrificed who knows how many thousands of lambs, millions of lambs that were sacrificed over the years by the priests as an atonement for sin, but it was only temporary. And on Passover, of course, the Passover lamb that was slain, and then as Jesus was slain as our Passover lamb, his blood was shed that one time, and that one time was sufficient to do what all those lambs previously could not do. And that was to make the final payment, the payment of his own blood that was sufficient to pay for your sin, my sin, and the sin of everybody that's listening. And it's like he's made this payment, but we just have to ask him for it. And we do that when we confess our sin and put our faith in Christ as the only one who could pay for our sins. And as First John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. My friend, if you're listening today to this broadcast, we've taken this time during Holy Week as we celebrate, the, really, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus this Sunday as we celebrate as the church triumphant. We pray that you would come to know Christ in all of his glory, and it's very easy. All you have to do is ask him. Just come to him and saying, Father, I come to you. I'm a sinner. I ask that you forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. And the Bible says, you will be saved. And then if you have questions about that, we do encourage you to call us, uh, 330-887-1922. And uh, we'll also uh, share with you and uh, send you out a Bible if you don't have one, because that's how God speaks to you is through the Scriptures. Pastor Al, bless you and bless your church this Sunday as you celebrate the resurrection of Christ. 
And God bless you, Chris, you and your family, and have a very blessed celebration of the resurrection of Christ as well. Amen. Thank you, brother. And uh, folks, let's just pray that the Lord bless the church triumphant this Sunday and that we would rejoice in the power of the resurrection of Christ. God bless you. Thanks for listening. We'll We'll see you next week. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. And the soldiers who stormed the beaches of Normandy and the Allied liberation of Europe, on D-Day, all those warriors set out on their mission President Franklin Delano Roosevelt led our nation in prayer. The D-Day Prayer Project is an effort to add FDR's D-Day Prayer in its entirety at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. This wonderful historical presidential prayer will be a lasting tribute to our World War II veterans. If you'd like to make a contribution towards the effort of adding this prayer to the memorial, go to the website at ddayprayerproject.org. That's ddayprayerproject.org. I'm Johnette Cruz, and I'm a busy mom. Then a friend told me about TrustBlueReview.com, a new website powered by the Christian Blue Network. She uses it to find trusted Christian-owned businesses. I checked it out, read the helpful reviews, and found a great family dentist. Now I use TrustBlueReview for all my family's needs. For peace of mind, do what I did. Visit TrustBlueReview.com or download their free mobile app from your app store today. The trusted source for all you do. Trust Blue Review. Will my kids like this dentist? Can I trust this mechanic? Who's a good choice for my upcoming remodel? I found businesses I can trust from TrustBlueReview.com. This company rebuilt our deck and renovated our bathroom. I'd highly recommend them to anyone looking to hire an honest contractor. The best dentist experience I've ever had. It's now easy to find trusted businesses in my community that have the same Christian values as my family. It all starts at TrustBlueReview.com or download their app in the App Store today. The trusted source for all you do. Trust Blue Well, and welcome back. We're going to rerun an interview we did a few weeks ago with uh, Liberty Council, the uh, chief legal counsel of Liberty Council, and that's Jonathan Alexander. We talk about H.R. 5, the so-called Equality Act. Now, at that time, it was in the Congress and the U.S. House of Representatives. It, It is now in the Senate Judiciary Committee, and it's hung up there. Thank you for the calls you're making to your senators. We ask you to call Senator Joe Machen, actually, of West Virginia, because he's the one that's thankfully holding up and keeping the filibuster in place. We talked about that last week, uh, but we're going to go on because this is important for you to know about H.R. 5, the Equality Act. So without any further ado, here is the interview that we conducted with Jonathan Alexander of Liberty Council. With me on the phone is our good friends from Liberty Council. Jonathan Alexander is the Governmental Affairs Council for the Liberty Council, and of course they are a legal advocacy organization for people of faith. Jonathan, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. Well, thank you. Uh, We're 
appreciate the work that Liberty Council does. And, of course, uh, all faith groups are on alert right now. We have sent out email alerts to our list. Uh, calls have been made to Ohio congressmen. Uh, and, of course, across the country, people are making calls to Washington and telling them to vote no on H.R. 5, the so-called Equality Act. But, again, this is SOGI legislation. This is LGBTQ special rights legislation that allows transgender men to enter in women's restrooms, to enter uh, girls' athletic programs. Uh, it actually violates the privacy rights of women and children. Uh, basically, people of faith also will be challenged with this legislation. I mean, this thing's pretty extensive and expansive, and this is a wish list of the left. They've been trying to get this done for some time. And so when they saw that they were able to take uh, both the House and majority, the Senate majority, and the presidency, uh, it's no holds bar as they're going forward with this radical agenda. Explain. Yeah, you're absolutely right. This is their mothership. This is everything that they've wanted. And it's right that you mentioned the religious groups, the religious schools, uh, you know, some of these areas of public accommodation. But what we need to stress is just how invasive this is. This gets government tentacles in every aspect of your life, including inside of your very home. And we can explain how even home businesses, if you're selling things on Etsy or eBay, how even your home business is now subject to the overarching rule and decrees of the LGBT agenda. It puts the force of federal government literally inside of your homes, of course in churches and synagogues and mosques, it does so in public accommodations and schools in areas of employment. It does so in literally every area of your life. This is the federal government shoving the LGBT sexual orientation and gender identity agenda down the throats of Americans. Let me read this portion of an alert. Uh, it says, The Equality Act would severely erode religious freedom. The Equality Act expressly exempts itself from Religious Freedom Restoration Act, our flagship religious liberty law. The the Equality Act's expansion of public accommodations could require churches and houses of worship to violate their beliefs regarding how they use their facilities. Its changes to employment law would prohibit some houses of worship from ensuring their clergy and employees abide by their doctrines or beliefs about marriage, sexual behavior, and the distinction between the sexes. Federal aid could be denied to students attending faith-based institutions unless those institutions abandon policy policies and practices reflecting their sincerely held religious beliefs about marriage and sexuality. Jonathan, I mean, this is a nightmare for sure. No, absolutely. On that first point that you made with regard to religious establishments, the civil rights law does affect the way that individual religious groups can hire or fire their own employees. And the greatest offense that we've had uh, the First Amendment, of course, being you know the strong words that we have to protect our religious freedom, but also RFRA, this bill, this 1993 law that passed, that put teeth into federal law, saying that this is the strongest protection that you need to fight cases on behalf of your faith. Well, this Equality Act comes right in and targets RFRA and says, RFRA cannot be a claim or defense or bring a cause of action under the title RFRA. It is literally going right after our faith and saying that it will have no merit in the courts, it will have no standing to defend you. Any claim that you would have, any conscious objection or moral objection or religious objection that you have to the LGBT agenda being in your church, in your home, in your school, 
if you have a school associated with your church, in your place of employment, if you have a brick-and-mortar building, and even if you're literally just having a place of gathering, a farm stand where you're inviting folks to come onto your property and buy the goods that you're selling from your farm stand, all of these areas will now have a force of federal government forcing you to abide by whatever edicts the LGBT agenda wants. And it's so changing, right? The as they stated, it's for LGBTQ, and this Q aspect, queer in their own words, applies to the over 102 different genders or sexual identities that they can come up with. It's an ever-changing standard that they can even wrap their heads around, not to mention the individual Americans that are now wanting to engage in culture, wanting to engage in business, that are going to have to contend with the force of government dictating how they do so with regard to the LGBT agenda. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. And the soldiers who stormed the beaches of Normandy and the Allied liberation of Europe, on D-Day, all those warriors set out on their mission President Franklin Delano Roosevelt led our nation in prayer. The D-Day Prayer Project is an effort to add FDR's D-Day Prayer in its entirety at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. This wonderful historical presidential prayer will be a lasting tribute to our World War II veterans. If you'd like to make a contribution towards the effort of adding this prayer to the memorial, go to the website at ddayprayerproject.org. That's ddayprayerproject.org. I'm Johnette Cruz, and I'm a busy mom. Then a friend told me about TrustBlueReview.com, a new website powered by the Christian Blue Network. She uses it to find trusted Christian-owned businesses. I checked it out, read the helpful reviews, and found a great family dentist. Now I use TrustBlueReview for all my family's needs. For peace of mind, do what I did. Visit TrustBlueReview.com or download their free mobile app from your app store today. The trusted source for all you do. Trust Blue Will my kids like this dentist? Can I trust this mechanic? Who's a good choice for my upcoming remodel? I found businesses I can trust from TrustBlueReview.com. This company rebuilt our deck and renovated our bathroom. I'd highly recommend them to anyone looking to hire an honest contractor. The best dentist experience I've ever had. It's now easy to find trusted businesses in my community that have the same Christian values as my family. It all starts at TrustBlueReview.com or download their app in the App Store today. The trusted source for all you do. Trust Blue we're talking about uh, the RIFA law, or excuse me, the Equal Rights uh, Act, that's H.R. 5. We're asking you to call your congressman and, and urge them to vote no on the so-called Equality Act, which is basically in, 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 you know, inequity to everyone else. If you're a person of faith, if you're a woman uh, who will be invaded in the bathroom by a man that comes in uh, that's uh, transitioning to a woman or perceived to be a woman, you don't, you don't even have to be in transition or have surgery. You can be uh, psychologically predisposed that you think that you're a woman so i should be able to use their bathroom isn't that right jonathan yeah, it's not a far yeah it's not a far-fetched thing we've, we've seen this for the past 10 or so years all across the country as more and more people realize what this transgender ideology is all about i mean these are bearded men that have stood in full nude 
in women's lockers and bathrooms, or you know, we have a case down in Florida at a Planet Fitness, standing in the nude, is able to, he's facing the mirror and is able to see into the bathroom stalls of these women, these young girls that are changing in various areas, uh, levels of undress in the locker room, and there is nothing that a woman in that room can do to kick him out. There's nothing that a father can do, even if he sees a full-grown man follow his daughter into the bathroom. There is nothing you can do to prevent that uh, individual, however disposed they are, uh, if they're male, to go into the woman's bathroom because they'll be able to claim, oh, no, this is my gender identity. And there's, there's no proof. There's no objectivity to whether or not this individual is just using this law to gain access, or even if they think they are, biology says something completely different. And we've seen that across the states that have already tried to apply this. What makes this even worse is that and how it takes the force of federal government. And, and as an African-American, I, you know, I sort of remember the scenes or have been taught of the scenes of young black girls being ushered by U.S. marshals into desegregated schools. A, a great picture of what the federal government can do in an appropriate way to rectify the racial imbalances. It's taking that same image, but flipping it on its head, and now U.S. Marshals would be able to force, or department agencies across the federal government through policy would be able to force uh, young girls, young women, to now be in bathrooms and locker rooms and showers with biological men. That's how rabid this law is, and that's just one aspect of it. When we talk about the privacy rights of women and children, the Equality Act, so-called, uh, the LGBTQ or SOGI law special rights bill uh, for those with, uh, uh, you know, gender dysphoria and sexual, uh, you know, uh, proclivities that, that, you know, that are, uh, again, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender and queer is the definition of LGBTQ. Uh, the Equality Act jeopardizes women's privacy and safety. Let me read this. The Equality Act's expansion of Title uh, II public accommodations definition means that females would no longer have privacy in public bathrooms, locker rooms, showers, or even uh, 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 women's shelters, battered women's shelters, excuse me. State and local laws to this effect are already causing fallout. A kindergarten was assaulted by a boy in her school bathroom. A rape survivor was forced to quit her job when her employer began allowing men into women's private facilities. A man was allowed residence in a shelter, and nine women are suing because they were sexually harassed. You know, this is just the tip of the iceberg. This insanity that's being debated on the floor even as we speak, uh, Jonathan, and that's why we need people to call their congressman right now because it's being debated right now. Yeah, right now, and, and what you'll hear are these lofty words towards equality towards everyone being treated fair and decently. And that's, that's how they'll drive in uh, the majority of moderate uh, Americans that, that don't really know what's at stake. But what's truly at stake are all of what you've mentioned, the huge uh, examples that we have all across the country of ladies and young girls being forced now to be in these private intimate spaces with biological men. Uh, with regard to churches, it, it doesn't even apply to, to public accommodations. It ex expands it to churches as well, where if you hold open your door and say, you know, come to our worship service, well, an individual can decide this is the bathroom you're going to choose. If you have a retreat center that you're holding, he can say, well, now I want to be able to sleep uh, with the girls, young boys, 
wanting and being able to sleep with the girls. If you're hiring employees, you could not even rely on your doctrinal basis or the foundation of your faith if you have employees over 15 to say, well, we don't want to hire someone that violates that. We don't want to hire someone by their same-sex lifestyle or this individual that's presenting by a different biology. So this goes not only in public accommodations, but it applies it to the church. And one of the strongest defenses that we've had in this country up until that point, anticipating that folks would want to infringe whatever lifestyle on the church, has been RIFRA. But now this bill and this law comes directly, squarely against RIFRA and tries to cut it out. A majority of Americans are opposed to this. You know, we had a sampling here in Medina County in in, in Ohio. And this is a, a bedroom community outside of Greater Cleveland and Cauga County. And the city now is uh, basically Democrat. The county is primarily Republican. But uh, the city government passed a uh, LGBTQ special rights ordinance with policing authority, similar to all this. Mm-hmm. We work to... Uh, basically get them to stop it at city council the council was majority democrats so they pushed it through and the uh, gay groups were pushing for that to go through and um so what did we do well we did a referendum and we circulated the petition they tried to deceive in the community that we were haters hate has no home here you'd see these signs and things they were actually trying to uh uh, trace and follow and shadow anybody with a petition uh, to right. go on door to door. We were able and shocked them because you have to get uh, 30 days is what you have. We had about 15 days to secure enough signatures. We submitted our sign- signatures to City Hall, then to the Board of Elections, only to have them uh, basically say we were 44 signatures short because they took 59 of the signatures and said, oh, well, these don't match what we have on record. And guess what? One of the promoters of the legislation was the chairwoman of the Board of Elections. Talk about a conflict of interest. Anyways, we fought that all the way to the state Supreme Court is why I bring that up. And unfortunately, over technicality, they threw it out. Nobody wanted to handle this. They're afraid of these people. But yet, Jonathan, what's going on here, as we can see, these are far leftist radical ideas that the general public, because we shocked them in Medina. They thought that we would not be able to get enough signatures. Enough people said, you know what? That's a bridge too far. And it's funny. We went door to door. We didn't go to Republicans' houses. I said to the folks, no, no, go door to door. This is a community concern. And by goodness, that's what happened. You know what? And people said, you know, you're right. That's a bridge too far of putting men in women's bathrooms or in the locker room showers and athletic programs. The kids shouldn't have to deal with this. I'm with you. Think about that. So it wasn't as if they were against you know, supporting, uh, you know, as, as far as gay rights. But when it comes to that bridge of like, now you're going to infringe on my rights, that's a bridge too far. Your thoughts? Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. And your experience echoes what I had in Massachusetts. We did the same thing. It was the first successful citizens referendum in the last 20 years. There's only been four successful ones in Massachusetts' 400-year history. Wow. And it was, it was the same thing. It was citizens and liberal Massachusetts, of course, realizing that this was a bridge too far. This was a line that they couldn't cross. To put Equality Act in perspective, it's not that you'd be going to state Supreme Courts anymore. It's not that you'd be fighting against your county. You'd be fighting against the federal government, the entire array of all 20 agencies, including the Department of Justice, the FBI, IRS. Everything would be arrayed against individuals bringing claims uh, that would violate the terms of the Equality Act. And so, yeah, 
as American citizens, we say, well, we'll have our day in court, right? The court's supposed to be this equal arbiter where everyone is equal before the law. Well, what the Equality Act says is that you cannot bring RIFRA as a defense. So the one strong defense that has been effective in the courts up until this point to really hold the line and, and protect our religious freedom, they say that is the very defense that you will not be able to bring. So you can't even have your day in court as you're fighting against the full array of the federal government. That's how extreme this law is. It is just unbelievable, John, that when we stop and we're even talking about this because it's so radicalized, the majority of Americans uh, put to the vote would not support this, yet a very far leftist radical agenda is being pushed. And people would say, well, why is this happening? Well, because that's the money that got behind on the West Coast and in the greater San Francisco area and big tech threw huge amounts of money at these congressmen to get them elected. Now they feel beholden to hold up this very radical sexualization of our country that has nothing to do with Judean Christian principles of which we were based on as a country and which most Americans believe in and embrace. And uh, it's a violation of everything, of everyone else's personal privacy rights. You know, it actually is a violent act. I'd have to say it goes because I know there's people getting angry as we're talking about right now. You said, what do you mean I have no rights? Well, that does cause people to get angry. You know, it's funny. The left just keeps poking and poking and poking, waiting for a response. And the fact is, Jonathan, people have been pretty patient. They've been, you know, been very civil, as it were. Right. Let me read I this. Po- right. Go. Uh, I want to read this part about the Equality Act unfairly penalizes female athletes by allowing biological men to compete in women's sports. You know, we have an interesting ally. The feminists right. are actually with us on this. Explain. Yeah, well, you have skull-crushing adolescent males literally pummeling their counterpart female athletes in combat sports. Uh, because these males are identifying as women, literally having that. In Connecticut, you're having the top two runners in the state be males, born males beating female uh, athletes, knocking other females off the podium, quite literally standing on the podium and receiving these awards that other fem- that females aren't allowed to get because males are competing, uh, getting them... Uh, not allowing these females to receive scholarships to school to pursue their athletic careers, literally males being in women's sports, knocking them out in terms of combat sports, but knocking them out of the way in terms of pushing them uh, out of the race and then not allowing them to receive their scholarships. So we're, we're, and then there are cases across the country, and specifically in Connecticut, literally fighting those very instances. And, you know, that's, that's just one of another series of aspects that we've mentioned. One, one of the areas of this law is how it goes into your home business. So if you have a home business where you make, you know, for instance, uh, candles and you, you want to sell them and you invite people to come look at your candles, or even if you're placing them online and you have this home business that you're running, this law is so pervasive that it says that you have to have anti-discrimination language in the way you operate your home business. It does not allow even home businesses to be exempt from this. If you're a counselor and you're having folks come to your home and sit on your couch, folks that may have unwanted same-sex attraction or unwanted same-sex behavior in their past and they're trying to overcome that, this literally says you are not allowed to aid this individual to overcome their past and want to stop participating in actions that they now see 
are different from, from what they uh, are. Unbelievable. Different. Unbelievable. And, you know, Jonathan, I've actually had, uh, you know, those in my early Christian life who came out of the homosexual lifestyle and uh, began leading a life that honored Christ and being single of heart and uh, being, uh, you know, um, not homosexual but straight. And again, uh, they may have fought those same-sex attractions, but again, they put it under the cross of Christ and lived for Jesus. Uh, To encourage a person to do, and they were encouraging others to do the same, they would be in violation of this law. Yeah, you wouldn't even be able to sit down with an individual and talk to them. In in certain states where this is already applied, they've touted parents as uh, being child abuse or child abusing their kids to the extent that the state can come in and remove the child if you accompanied that child to uh, a counseling session or if you had them sit with their pastor and help them overcome these unwanted same-sex attractions. That's how perverse and pervasive this law is. And once again, I can't stress that it's the federal government now. Before we were contending with counties, we were contending with individual states, and we still had RIFRA as a defense to win some of these cases. Now it's the actual full force of the federal government coming in and dictating how we live our lives. And there isn't a single area to which they don't want this agenda to permeate. We're talking about H.R. 5. We need you to call your congressman and tell them to vote no. Go to the Ohio Christian Alliance website, uh, and right at the top you will see call your congressman and tell them to vote no on H.R. 5. Under that you'll see uh, contact Congress. Click on that link, again, at the Ohio Christian Alliance website. That's Ohio ca.org or just uh, search that Ohio Christian Alliance with your phone or your tablet or your desktop computer and go right there where it says contact Congress and tell your representative, your representative of Congress to vote no on H.R. 5. In the event you're here this broadcast after the Thursday vote, it's still not too late. It's got to go to the Senate. So vote, call your senator and tell them to to su- not to support H.R. 5, the so-called Equality Act, and for the list- reasons we listed. If you click on that uh, red link, call your congressman, you will see all the points that we've just talked about that Jonathan and I just discussed, and, and rehearse that, familiarize yourself with it, and also send it to family and friends and share it in your church as well. You know, Jonathan, we had a pastor who's normally not uh, political. My daughter said, he stood up, Dad, on Sunday, and he said, folks, this is going to be trouble. We need you to do something about it. Talk to us about that. Yeah, that's strong. And I, I encourage shepherds who ought to be meeting in person. I encourage shepherds, however you're getting your word out to your members, to the flock that God has given you to watch over, make sure that you have, you're have reminding them that they're the salt and light in this world. They have the opportunity here in the United States to be engaged and let their voices be heard. And if there's one thing for them to get started on, it would be this law, because this is coming directly to their church. It'll affect the way they worship, but it'll also affect their homes. It'll be uh, their child's school curriculum agenda. It'll be in their child's bathrooms. It'll be in the locker rooms. It'll be in their face every day with the force of government pushing this forward. So this is this is where we draw the line. The citizens were tepid in, in being activated before now is certainly not the time to rest on our loyalty. That's this right. The time that we stand up and fight. We need to run to the battle. Jonathan Alexander, again, uh, Legal Counsel, Governmental Affairs of Liberty Council. What's the website for folks to uh, follow Liberty Council? It's lc.org, just five letters, lc.org. 
org. Thank you, Jonathan. God bless you, my friend, and we'll have you back on, and our folks will make the calls. Again, uh, go to the website, Ohio Christian Alliance, and click on the congressional link and make calls. You have been listening to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. To learn more about the issues that matter most to you and your family, visit online at ohioca.org. That's ohioca.org. Thank you for listening. This program is sponsored by the Ohio Christian Alliance of Akron, Ohio.